All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Reflections with Dr. Gary Harvey. We've got a uh, an interesting topic tonight. It's uh, probably going to be a little controversial, honestly, a little controversial, controversial. Uh, a couple people might, you know, feel some kind of way about it. But honestly, it's something that I have felt uh, quite passionate about for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to share my heart. Might be quick, might be long. Don't really know. Like I said, this is uh, this is a topic that's kind of. Uh, near and dear to me. Um, of course, as always, you guys, thank you for all the support. Uh, you know, had more countries added to the listening, uh, the list of, uh, you know, where the listeners are and, and getting downloads, views, whatever. I mean, we're talking um, Nigeria, the UK, uh, Indonesia, Brazil, uh, Qatar, uh, Morocco, Ireland, France, Germany. Uh, so it just really, really appreciate all the love and all the support you guys. Every time you like, share the podcast, download it on one of those listening platforms, anything to that effect is so much, so helpful. And I really, really appreciate it. You know, and honestly, uh, none of this is monetized. Like all the businesses that shout out or anything like that, those aren't spa- paid sponsors. Those aren't paid commercials or, you know, like anything like that effect. <clears throat> you know, I don't have anybody cash at me anything to give them a shout out. I just like to support people. I like to reciprocate uh, what's being done. And I appreciate you guys for supporting the podcast, supporting me and supporting those uh, individuals, you know, um, on the page, there's there's a list of them, and obviously it would take too long to go through everybody. But I mean, you got Cinemascapes Gaming, Loot Die Repeat, as far as like your your gaming streaming, you know, Twitch streamers, uh, check them out. Living Beauty Florals uh, for all your floral needs and gift ideas, those types of things. Uh, you have um, Serenity Hand Sanitizer, Destiny's Journey. Um, Poet is Black Jewel with her her most recent book that just came out. Uh, Black Top Photo Collective with Dax Thomas and, and what he does, the Tea Cafe and, you know, and then Strength and Sisterhood and just all these different great businesses, organizations, you know, these people that have got products and books and just show your support. We really appreciate it, um, even if it's nothing more than a share. It helps get them in front of people, and we, we greatly appreciate it, and definitely thank you for it. And again, if you haven't already subscribed to one of the many listening platforms that we're on, I mean, we're on Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, CastBox, you know, um, Radio Public, TuneIn Radio, Anchor, I mean, Spotify. We're, we're on all these different platforms. Go to the website, www.drgaryharveyjr.com, www.drgaryharveyjr.com. Junior.com, and make sure you go uh, like and subscribe uh, to one of those uh, platforms. That way you'll never miss a beat. While I appreciate y'all watching the video on Facebook or watching live uh, when we do this, hitting those downloads on those li- listening platforms definitely keeps the uh, stream um, trending and keeps it prevalent, puts it in front of more people when they do different searches or whatever. So really appreciate it. And, and I just like to share my heart, honestly. Uh, hopefully what the things that we talk about, the things that I say adds another perspective. Not that I'm right and everybody else is wrong, although sometimes it feels that way. Uh, it's not necessarily all the, the case. I just, I want people to look at things from a different perspective. And so the topic tonight is, like I said, it's not very comfortable. Um, it may be a little controversial. Uh, a lot of people might even think that it's confrontational and that, uh, you know, it's like, oh, what's he think he's doing? Well, you know, what am I doing? I'm, I'm talking about some truth. I'm talking about things that need to be talked about and for a long time they haven't been talked about and so that's what we're going to do so we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a look in this mirror tonight you know mirrors again have three purposes to show you who you were to show you who you are and help you become who you want to be so let's take a look at this reflection face the man in the mirror and see if we can't get better than what we started the day at so you know tonight what we're going to talk about is what is one of the biggest enemies of the gospel and a lot of people, especially Christians, you know, especially preachers, when they hear that, there's so many things that they label, right? You know, especially now with an election coming up, you know, a lot of uh, evangelicals will, you know, they'll turn it political and oh, well, politics and this, you know, Democrats, Republicans, this, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And um, other people will say it's, you know, oh, it's the government in general, or it's the people, or it's the, you know, the perspective. Well, honestly, I personally feel that the 
one of the biggest enemies of the church today, or excuse me, of the gospel today is the modern day church. And, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to unpack it a little bit and discuss it. And, you know, not everybody's going to agree with me, and that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, at the end of the day, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. So uh, with that being said, well, Dr. Harvey, why would you say that the church is the biggest enemy of the gospel? Well, let's let's look at it here. Now, we have churches that aren't doing anything. Let's let's just be honest. Let's start there. So they're they're not doing anything. They're not producing anything. And we are in a situation where communities, especially now during this pandemic, are in need and a lot of churches are taking this opportunity to flip a gimmick. A lot of churches are treating this situation and treating their ministries like nothing more than than a business and it's a marketing opportunity and this happens all the time and it's it's not just happening during this pandemic it's been happening for years where the church has become more business than ministry it's it's transactional um we kind of touched on that on house call a few weeks back with steve Corns. you know we kind of you know we talked about that a little bit and um you know how churches are it's like a give take and there has to be a transaction and there has to be a a, a a process that's beneficial to the church in order for the church to do something. It's it's no longer, hey, let's reach out. It's no longer, hey, let's do something. It's always a gimmick. It's always about put me in the limelight. Let's get in front of people. Let's get more. What can we do to put more butts in seats? You know, and, and honestly, that mentality itself has pushed so many people away from the church push people away from the church, push people away from the gospel, push people away from the ministry, and how the church operates now, we've become so much of a business that we've lost sight of ministry. And, and it's, a, it's a difficult thing to say, it's a difficult thing to admit, but we become extremely hypocritical in the church. And, you know, well, why do I say that? Well, we're not perfect, we're human. No, 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 you're right, we are. We're, we're human, we're gonna mess up, we're gonna make mistakes, we're sinners in need of a savior, 110%. I'm not negating any of that. However, are we trying to hold ourselves to a higher standard in the church, especially church leadership? Do we hold ourselves to a higher standard? That doesn't mean that we do everything right, because we're, we're, we're not. No matter how much we try, we're not gonna do everything right. We're not gonna please everybody. That's just the reality of it. That's, that's just life. But are we trying? Are we trying every day to become more like Christ, to become more of what we preach? See, we are in a situation now where so many, so many churches are only worried about what their attendance is because that directly affects, or how they feel, that directly affects the money that comes into the church. So the church has got a very bad rap in, in, um, you know, in the community, in, in the world, right? So the church is no longer viewed as that place where you can go and get rest. It's no longer that place where you can go and get delivered. It's no longer that place where you can go, you can get saved, your life can change, you can get set free, etc., etc. all these different things. It's seen as a gimmick. Now, it, is the church a place? The church should be a place where you can go and you can get saved, set free, delivered, and, and your life change and you grow and you move. But too often, it's a game, it's a gimmick. We preachers don't, they don't really hold congregations accountable to change anymore. They just want you to come in. Pastor just gonna get, I'm just gonna preach my message. I'm gonna smile a little bit, shake some hands, but I'm never gonna hold you accountable to grow. I'm never gonna disciple you. And see there, that in itself is an enemy of the gospel. Why? Because the Great Commission, we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? That's that's what all these preachers, all these churches, all these Christians tend to do is we go into all the world and we preach the gospel, but we forget that we need to be making disciples of people. And so that's, that's massive in what affects the viewpoint of the church. And so the fact that we're not really developing anybody in the church and we're not really developing anybody to change and to become more like Christ, we, we just get this rubber stamp of, hey, you come to my church, yay. But if you look at that person's life every day, there's nothing about that life that would point me to Christ. And I'm not saying that they're living perfect. Trust me, I'm the first one. Listen, I'm more transparent than I probably should be. 
I'm the first one to tell you I slip, mess up, have messed up, probably will mess up again, you know, and, and grace is, is afforded and new, and just like it is for me, it's afforded to other people, so there's, there's those aspects of it that, that cause people to push back on the church, that cause people to not really be excited about the gospel because the church is getting in the way. And the church isn't delivering the gospel because it's not following through. There's no discipleship. Well, Dr. Harvey, how can you say that? All these churches got all these people. Yeah, all these churches got all these people that are shacking up and have shacked up for the entire length of time they've attended that church. They continue to, you know, shack up, sex out of wedlock. They continue to have um, drug and alcohol problems. They continue to go home and beat their spouse and be abusive to their kids. They continue to live a life that's vulgar and nasty and uh, you know there's no there's no real change don't tell me that there's discipleship in churches where nobody's changing that's the reality of it and see we have in Matthew it talks about how you know hey it's a wolf in sheep's clothing right we have a lot of churches that are preaching what people want to hear and they smile and they oh it's gonna be okay don't worry about it oh yeah it's great things are gonna work out well they are gonna work out eventually all things work together to those for the good for those that believe that's that's scripture however this is where we miss it there's a level of accountability when we become a christian There's a level of accountability that we have to challenge ourselves to change. And you guys know me, those of you that listen to the podcast, I know not all of you are Christian. I know not all of you believe the same way I believe. Um, But, you know, this is who I am. It's it's in my core. And so this this is how I approach things. And, you know, the gospel, we're not here to beat you over the head. Like, like the purpose of the Christian church is not to beat you over the head. You know, I, I thought it was funny this last week. So there's, there's a, um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do my best not to, uh, not to bring up any, anyone in particular, or at least, you know, not to call them out, but there's an individual that I know. And it, you know, was a peer of mine years ago, years ago, not somebody that I, I currently work with in ministry. And, um, you know, or really ever have worked with a ministry. I think, you know, it was a different circumstance that I was involved with them. But they, uh, you know, for the last couple months have been blasting preachers and Christians that are wearing masks. Oh, you don't have any faith. Oh, you don't, you know, you, you're wearing these masks. You're giving in, you know, don't be told what to do. You've got rights, like all this type of stuff. And then post a picture of himself with a mask on, on Facebook. Now, do I have an issue with a mask? No, not at all. Do I have an issue if you don't want to wear a mask? Well, you know what? To each his own, you know, if you choose not to, you choose not to, but don't get upset if a place that you want to go to requires it. It is what it is. You know, I mean, that private business has just as many rights as you have. You know, oh, it's not a private business. It's it's a chain. Well, okay, well, do you own it? No. Then they can dictate what their patrons, um, you know, what they request of their patrons. I mean, that's just... It is what it is. No shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service, right? But just because an individual chooses to wear a mask doesn't mean that they don't trust God. Doesn't mean that they don't have faith. Doesn't mean that they don't believe in what they say they believe. Yet this particular preacher, well, and multiple preachers have been blasting individuals because they feel that way or because they're more comfortable with the current situation, you know, being at home and having a virtual service or being with smaller groups instead of a large church full of people, you know, and it's like, oh, well, God's going to protect you. Listen, I, I, I believe that he will. I believe that he can 110%, but I'm not going to blast an individual and make them feel any less than who they are because they're more comfortable in a small group or they're more comfortable right now with a virtual service. You know, if I'm not mistaken, and I mean, I could be wrong, you know, it's, it's happened more than once. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm close to perfect, you know, I'm Italian, you know, whatever, no, I'm, I'm kidding, it's a joke, it's a joke, um, but uh, no, in all seriousness, um, you know, the old church, the, you know, the early church met in small groups. You know, yeah, there were larger congregations and, and that thing, you know, time and they would come together as a larger group, but oftentimes it was smaller groups. It was cell groups, uh, what we commonly refer to as cell groups or home church type stuff. And, you know, that type of thing. And we've 
seemed to miss how much ministry those small groups did when they worked together, when they came together, when they would minister together. They would bring issues and problems to each other. The Bible says if there's any sick among you, you know, confess your sins one to another. There may be healing in the house. Now, we can't confess our sins one to another because, first of all, it becomes gossip. Okay? It becomes gossip in the church. Again, one of the reasons I believe the modern day church has become an enemy of the gospel. And it's, you know, it sounds, well, aren't you a preacher? Aren't you a pastor? Why would you say that about the church? Because I see so many churches that are more worried about butts and seats than Christ and hearts. And we can't make a change in life and in somebody else's life and make a difference if we're constantly trying to force feed this thing down their throat, this thing we call the gospel down their throat. We can't force it. And so there has to be a balance and there's between the preach the gospel to all the world and make disciples. There's got to be that balance there. We miss that so often. We miss that for so many years. Preachers come in and they deliver these messages to these large crowds. They have these tent revivals or these conferences or these, uh, you know, mass salvations. And, and that's great. I'm not I'm not taken away from that. Please, please hear my heart. Understand what I'm saying. God has a place for that. But if that's where it stops, then we missed it. If you come back and you brag about the fact that 600 people gave their life to Christ and the only reason you're bragging about it is because it's a number that you can attach to the ministry that you're involved in as as some type of clout, then you miss the point. Once they get saved, that's fantastic that God used you to bring 600 souls into the kingdom. But how are those 600 souls going to be developed? You can't drop the ball. You got to pass the ball because you might not be able to stay there. And that's where the church needs to pick up the slack, but it hasn't been. The church hasn't really been concerned with how people live their lives as long as they keep showing up every week so we have those attendance numbers and as long as they keep giving every week so we have those dollars in the bank account. And so the church has been ridiculed because it it operates from a very selfish standpoint now. And not every church, not every preacher, you, got, you guys hear what I'm saying, okay? But please, in all of this, hear my heart. You know, not every church and every every preacher is crooked and wrong. Got the you know it, no, it's it's not like that. A lot of people are are sincerely trying to do what they believe they're called to do, and they're sincerely trying to make a difference in people's lives. You know, and you have churches that have have stepped up to the plate, and you know they're soup kitchens that the churches run and and they give out groceries and clothing and uh, you know all types of things you know i my church in florida that i i pastored when when i pastored some years back um in jacksonville we would have classes where we would teach people how to write a resume and teach people how to interview and get them ready and you know what one of the other things that we would step up to do as a church is because if you're homeless if you don't have an address right then it's very difficult to get a job if you don't have an address that you can put on paper, put on that application, and put on that resume. And it's very difficult to get an address if you don't have a job. So sometimes we would we would either let them use the church address, or you know maybe if we could, if we could afford it at the time, um, we would uh, put them up in a hotel for a couple weeks, like one of the you know one of those uh, kind of like um, extended stay hotels that are kind of like an apartment you know, that type of thing. And and that's not to beat my chest or brag on that, but that was just one way that we were trying to do real ministry. And a lot of churches do stuff like that. A lot of churches try to do real ministry. Real ministry is more than just your Sunday morning sermon. It's more than a smile and telling you everything's going to be okay. It's more than music and, you know, an exciting service. It's It's more than Sunday morning. Real ministry oftentimes takes place Monday through Saturday at all hours of the day, early, midday, late, deals with real dark, grimy issues, and the church has tended to stay back from that. The church doesn't really get involved in that anymore. And so we're missing the opportunity to reach people because in order for us, for the church oftentimes to say that they want to do something for someone or reach someone or help someone, oftentimes it's like, well, if you're not a member of the church, then we can't help you. Are you kidding? Like, what? So, you know, A, because they weren't following Jesus everywhere to everywhere he went, 
meant to speak. Jesus was telling him, no, I can't help you. That's, that's not what happened at all. You know, but that's how the church acts. And the other reason, another reason that I feel that the modern church today has become an enemy of the gospel, if you would, is because a lot of churches act like, you, you might as well throw colors. You act like gangs. A lot of churches act like gangs. Uh, we, can't, we can't work with them and they're territorial and this is our neighborhood and this is our block and they don't want to work with other preachers and don't want other churches to come minister with them or they don't want to let anybody speak in their pulpit, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they put some spiritual reason on it, but at the end of the day, they're territorial because they're afraid they're going to lose people. It, you know, not so much in larger cities, but you see it all the time in small cities. You see it all the time in small cities, small towns where there's, you know, um, 20,000 people and there's 400 churches, you know, because everybody's trying to get that piece of the pie instead of just worrying about what their lane is, what their ministry is supposed to be. And they're worried about how many people they can get. And oh, if that person goes to, if that person visits another church on Sunday, they might like that pastor and that church better and they might leave. Well, a couple things. One, they might leave and maybe it wasn't of God. That's a lesson they're going to have to learn. At the end of the day, all you can do is, as a pastor is give them that guidance and, and speak that wisdom into their life. Whether or not they choose to apply it is another story, but you're held accountable to provide that wisdom. Just as you are to, to disciple churches, church leadership is held accountable to disciple the people that God brings in. So if they choose not to take that discipleship, if they choose to let the, if your wisdom, so to speak, falls on deaf ears, you know, for example, and they just go ahead and do it anyway, you know, like I've always been hard-headed, you know, I'll ask people for advice and then sometimes turn around and just do my own thing. And it's like, well, why would you ask for advice? I, I, I don't know, because I was hoping you were going to tell me to do what I wanted to do. Let's, let's just be honest. You know, a lot of times when we ask for advice, that's really what we're asking for. We're kind of asking for permission to do what it is that we want to do, or we're trying to figure out if somebody else will help us out of our situation, uh, you know, type of thing. But, you know, if they choose to leave your church and, and they, you know, you don't feel in your spirit that they should, well, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't. And if they go and it's not for them, well, I pray God brings them back. But if you try to hold them so tightly that you begin to to suffocate them and, and they become bitter and they feel like you're preventing them from, from taking an opportunity, like, listen, you're trying to force something. Nothing about Christianity is forced. There's nothing in the Bible that forces Christianity. It's always a decision. Good, bad, or indifferent, whatever the outcome is, it's always a decision that an individual has to make, you know? And so maybe it is time for them to go. You know, sometimes people aren't going to be with you forever. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You know, oh, well, they're not hearing from God. You know what? They might not be, but that's something that they have to walk out. We have to walk out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, we get more worried about in the church, more worried about keeping people in our church than we do keeping their soul lined up with Christ. Hear me now. We're more worried about keeping numbers than we are worried about somebody's spirit and somebody's soul. Well, how can you say that? Because there's no accountability. Because you don't have a challenged lifestyles. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying dictate necessarily how somebody lives but i can't tell you i love you if i'm gonna sit back and just smile at you while you're going to hell you see what i'm saying so as church leadership you know if there's a member of your congregation somebody that's going to your church for any length of time you know hopefully you've built that rapport and that relationship with them that you can speak into their life now we fail to do that why because we're afraid to offend people i'm not afraid to offend anybody no 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 no, no. you are and it's clear that you are because you won't give your church anything more than milk. And see, that's another reason the modern day church has become an enemy of the gospel, in my opinion. This is strictly my opinion. These are my feelings. You know, um, this isn't some word from the Lord or some prophecy or, you know, anything like that. I mean, contrary to a lot of people I went to Bible college with, I understand that I've got to work within and live within a natural world. And um, I understand how reality works. And um, 
you know, I do my best within that realm. It doesn't always work out. I don't always make the right decisions. And sometimes I, you know, I fall down and I got to get myself back up. And that's the thing. I get myself back up or I have people help me get up. It's okay to get help. Um, you know, hopefully you're in a church where people help you and people are there for you when you're feeling weak and you're slipping, just like when Moses had his arms raised, somebody can come along and hold your arms up as well. You know, hopefully that's, that's happening for you. And if, if that's not happening, if you can't count on your, your church to do that, if you can't count on your pastor to do that, if you can't count on the congregation to do that, and I'm not saying that they baby you and hold your hand again, like I said, a big enemy of the gospel today is the fact that most pastors are only delivering milk. They're not really giving anything solid to cause you to grow from glory to glory to glory, to renew yourself daily, to really mature. It's always the same type of message, you know, um, very basic, very on the surface. You know, they'll read a scripture and they'll be like, you know, yay, though I walk through the valley of shadow death. See, God said you're walking through the valley and then they move on. Like, okay, well, give me some substance. Talk to me about that. What is the valley? What does the valley represent? What, what does that make the connection with my life? You know, basic, honestly, basic, basic preaching, you know, if we can develop that to take it a little further, to take it a step further and really push and really give our congregations more than just the bottle. Listen, they're never going to come off the bottle unless you give them solid food. When, when my son was young, and he was on, you know, he's on formula, right? He's drinking from the bottle. There was a point where he was not sleeping through the night. Well, why wasn't he sleeping through the night? Because he got hungry. You know, I get up and give him a bottle, you know, whatever. So what, what did I do? I put some cereal in the bottle. I put some substance in it. Now, I didn't give him a steak right away. I gave him some substance. I put some cereal in the bottle. And see, if pastors and preachers, if church leadership would apply that same type of thought process to discipling the church, understand that, yeah, maybe they're a brand new Christian. They're a baby Christian. They're an immature Christian, however you want to word it. And you don't try to give them a stake right away give them some over-the-top, over-their-head revelation right away, but you put a little cereal in that bottle, a little bit of substance. Then when they start to get used to that, then you get them on that baby food, right? It's a puree, right? It's, it's, it's you know, real soft and whatever. You know, you start there. And then from there, uh, unless you're me, you know, I was constantly trying to give my son real food all the time, you know, mashed potatoes here and, you know, chew on this and try this green bean or whatever. But it was a step. I didn't just throw a chunk of meat down or a burger down in front of them or lobster and be like, here, eat this, figure it out. You know, it was a process for him to develop and not even just develop the, the ability to handle that food or to be able to accept that food. But in the natural, you know, you don't want your kid gumming on a, a slab of steak, right? You wait until he's got some teeth and he can actually chew and, and, and masticate that that food and chew it up and, and get it small to where he can swallow it, the body can digest it, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's a physical process and there needs to be a spiritual process as well. And we miss that in the church because we would rather keep people on milk because it's easier. If people are on milk, then I don't have to get a deeper revelation of Christ. I don't have to get a deeper understanding of Christ. And see, the modern church has made that type of thinking okay. We've, we've made it acceptable because we're like, oh, you don't need any kind of education. You don't need this. You don't need that. You're just called of God. So go ahead and do that. Well, you know, there's, there is some truth to that, okay? You don't necessarily need some type of degree to um, be able to effectively minister to people. Okay, that's 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 not a necessity, so to speak. Okay, just like having a degree isn't a necessity to own a business. Okay, however, you need to have some type of education, learning, whether it's direct mentorship, uh, maybe, maybe it is formal education along with the mentorship. See, we oftentimes throw that mentorship out the window and we forget about those relationships in scripture where that anointing was imparted from one to the other and that knowledge and that wisdom was shared from one to the other you know and we we 
neglect the importance behind that. And so we teach that, oh, you don't need anything but the calling of God. And so we have all these people that have the calling of God, so they think, because all they've had is the bottle. They've never had a real solid relationship or understanding of Christ. So now they're spiritually immature, spiritually malnutritioned, and they go out because they're called, and they very well may be called to preach and be a pastor or be be this or be a teacher or be that. And they go out and they start operating in this and they start hurting people. Why? Because they weren't properly prepared. They weren't satisfactory, satisfactorily prepared. Listen, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt with everything that I am that I'm called to be a pastor. Am I in the office of a pastor right now? No, I'm not in a senior pastor right now. But I understand timing. I understand seasons. Right now is not the season for me to be in a senior pastorate. And you have to be mature enough to understand that. But if all you're ever fed is the bottle, and then, you know, here you are, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, and when it's time to get something to eat, you reach for the bottle continually, you're going to be malnutrition. You're, you're going to be missing opportunities and you're ultimately going to hurt your own testimony because you're going to end up hurting people that you weren't prepared to minister with. There's things that we go through in life. There's processes that God brings us through in life that prepares us to minister to the people that we're going to come across. The things that I've gone through in my life, the potholes that I've hit, the stumbling blocks that I've come across, the issues and, and struggles that I've faced, the mistakes and not just mistakes, the dumb decisions that I have made. Hello, somebody. The dumb decisions that I have made. Okay. I've made dumb decisions. I've told God, no, I'm doing it my way. I, you know, when, when I went through my divorce, I threw my hands up in the air and I said, you know what, God, I'm tired of you. I'm going to go do my own thing. And this was after I was preaching. This is after I was saved. I did most of my dirt after I, I got saved and after I accepted my call to ministry. And so for me, it was even more difficult for me to humble myself and come back and be like, yo, God, I messed up, man. I, I made some mad, mad bad decisions and mad mistakes and you know all this type of thing and I, I had to be honest with myself and it was difficult and not only was it difficult to come back to where I needed to be in my faith but it was even more difficult to want to come back into ministry now hold that thought because we're going to come back to that but we go out unprepared and we end up hurting people that we're not prepared to minister to and because of that, we create a lot of what we call church hurt. And I know, you know, a lot of church hurt, honestly, is, is stuff that us as individuals need to take responsibility for how we responded and reacted to things. But also, bad leadership does it. Bad leadership can do it. And, and not that you're intentional, not that the leadership is intentionally being bad. But if they, if they haven't had any substance other than milk, all they're going to provide you is milk. And it just, it is what it is. And it's unfortunate. And that's another reason that the church, the modern day church has become an enemy of the gospel. It's, it's, and when I say enemy of the gospel, not that it's opposed to the gospel, but it's a hindrance to the gospel, if that makes sense. Now, back to me coming back into ministry. We in the Christian church are very quick to talk about forgiveness, salvation, reconciliation, redemption, grace, when it applies to us or when it applies to individuals who aren't saved. But when it comes to ch folk in the church that mess up, that slip up, that make mistakes, that sin, let's, let's call it what it is, that sin, we don't have the same response for them we somehow believe that it's not available to them. Now, I'll say this. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I'm not saying not to hold them accountable. Those of us that are in leadership in the church, within the church, within ministry, we're held to a different standard. We have to be held to a different standard. A higher standard. But at the same time, if you do fall, if you do make a mistake if you do sin do you have a heart like david's is it quick to repent are you quick to get back on track with god are you honest about it or even after quote unquote repenting and coming back to god are you still trying to hide it and lie about it 
listen, the stuff I've done in my past, I, I've done some grimy stuff and I don't share it with everybody. Not everything in my testimony is on my resume. I share what needs to be shared when I feel it needs to be shared with who I feel it needs to be shared. If I feel it can make a difference um, or if I feel led uh, to do so. But I don't lie about it. I don't try to pretend that it's not there because there is is a, a dark side that I went through. There is a very, uh, a very much so a part of my history that I'm not proud of, um, but that also is an opportunity for me to show people the grace and love of God in and through my life. And that's why I'm so transparent, because if you don't know you can hit rock bottom, how do you know you can get back up? Right. If nobody else has ever gotten back up, how do you know you can get back up? So I want to share and be honest about the fact that, you know what, I hit rock bottom. I'm not proud of it. I'm not happy about it. I'm not. Those aren't things that I brag about. Oftentimes I don't share a lot of it with people. However, I am very proud of the fact that I was intelligent enough and, and sensitive enough to listen to different people that spoke into my life and get back on track with God to to repent and to move forward and, and recommit myself now. A lot of times we hear that the church is full of hypocrites. And you know what? That's true. It's very true. And everywhere in the world, and on jobs, our friendships, other relationships, there's some level of hypocrisy in each and every one of them. That's the reality of it. Now, what I think, and again, these these are just my thoughts. This is my opinions. And, and I hope that at the very least it causes some self-reflection and it causes some thought. Um, because I think the church needs to do better. The church has to do better. But we, oftentimes, when people talk about the church is so hypocritical, it's because we approach other people's lives and say, change, 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 change. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And we approach people's lives like that, but we don't approach our own. So, you know, we have we have pastors out there that are addicted to porn. We have pastors out there that couldn't tell the truth if, if their life absolutely depended on it. We have pastors out there that manipulate, constantly manipulate scripture in order to get people to do what they want to do and feel good. We have pastors out there that only do things to get noticed and get the pat on the back. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's this popularity contest. We have pastors out there, you know, having affairs and, and, and still smiling and joking like nothing ever happened. And we have pastors out there, you know, they signing up for them little only fans accounts or whatever they are and you know all, all, just all kinds of inappropriate stuff we have leadership in the church that's doing these things and am i saying that they are ultimately and totally and unequivocally you know disqualified from leadership no should they be in leadership while they have that issue not if it's a lifestyle issue and so with that being said if they can truly repent if they can truly walk in that grace and change, make that 180 degree turn and walk away from those things. Hey, you know what? I've got a very dark past. You know, if I can, if I can say that, no, they can't ever preach. They can't ever be a pastor. They can't. Ever, no, 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 no. They can. Because that forgiveness, that grace, that salvation is just as readily available to them as it is to me. So I, I can't hold them differently. But if they're not trying to change, this is where people are like, yo, you're so hypocritical. There's no change. There's no, there's no life. You know, you preach one thing, live another, you know? And, and so they see that and well, they see it at work and they see it with, you know, yeah, they do, but they expect it from there. You see where the difference is? They expect it from there. We in the church and church leadership and Christians that have sat their butt in the pews for X amount of years have somehow created a mindset where they really think they're better than people that are unsaved or people that are still, you know, living and struggling through certain areas of sin in their life. And we're not. And if we would just love each other, right? It says that you'll know them by how? By the love for one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is, this is another point I'm going to make in reference to the church, the modern-day church being an enemy of the gospel. 
is we don't really love. We don't, you know. Well, I'll use the example of uh, pro-life, right? Um, pro-life, I'm against abortion. I, I believe, I believe scripturally, um, abortion's wrong. I do. But I also believe keeping kids crammed in cages is wrong. I also believe that police officers killing unarmed black men and women or men and women in general is wrong. Police brutality is wrong. I believe that um, the way that society has systemically attacked um, those that are less fortunate and minorities and specific groups of people is wrong. And if the only thing that you think is wrong out of that list is abortion, then you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth. Again, it's my opinion. And, but... I still love all these people, right? I still love the young woman that made the decision to get, a get an abortion. I still love her. God still loves her. I'm not going to condemn her. I'm not going to demean her. I'm not going to treat her like less than a person. I'm going to provide her with the gospel. I'm going to try to extend that love. That Muslim brother or sister that, that I know in the community that I talk to, one of my, one of my best greatest friends uh, that I met when I was in the army. When I first got to Fort Stewart, he was one of the first person I met uh, when we got in reception there. And um, he and I have been close ever since. That was back in 2000 and um, 2001. And since then, he and I have been, um, you know, very close. And he's he's Muslim. Um, we respect each other's views. We understand where we're at. Do I believe that, you know, or I was talking with another friend of mine who uh, believes in Odinism. And um, the Viking gods, for those of you that aren't familiar with what Odinism is. And he made a statement to me one day. He says, he says, you know, I struggle with Christians. I said, why? He says, because they all treat me like I'm a devil worshiper. I said, okay. And he's like, they all treat me like I'm going to hell. And I said, well, you are. And he said, what? And I said, no, no, don't, don't take it the wrong way. But I mean, based on how I believe, I 110% believe if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell. I mean, it is what it is. But that doesn't, I'm not going to treat you as less than a person because if I treat you as less than a person, you're never going to see and feel and experience the love of Christ. I don't have to force you to believe what I believe. I don't have to force you to accept Christ. I don't have to force you to live this Christian thing. That's not what the gospel, the gospel is good news. Forcing somebody to do something, there's nothing good about that. But if I can show you through my life, not just my words, preachers, preachers got to do more than just preach. I'm sorry. I'm tired of it, you know, and, and, and all these preachers always bragging about their services. Listen, I don't ever remember Jesus bragging about his services. I'm just saying the people bragged about it for Jesus. His disciples bragged about it for Jesus. People in the background talked about it. But Jesus wasn't out there with a megaphone talking about all the amazing things that he did. Now, I'm not saying don't share testimonies about services that went well and ministry opportunities that went well and that were exciting. Be proud of those. I'm not, I'm not saying don't. You know, those are exciting when you see God move in somebody's life. And it can be encouraging to other people. That's not what I'm saying. But when it becomes about look at me, look at everything that I'm doing, then you've missed it. The gospel is about good news. And if we're forcing stuff on people, if we're living double lives, if we're manipulating scripture and telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear, if all we ever give them is milk when really what they need is some steak and potatoes, if we're not expressing the love of Christ but demeaning people because they don't think and believe how I believe, then that's not good news. We're missing it. And the modern church has become so transactional that we forgot how to just love people. You know, one of the greatest examples that, that I have, honestly, of, of a non-transactional aspect of ministry, and I struggle with it sometimes, I'll be honest, because, you know, um, those of you that know, my, my dad is a, uh, he's a senior pastor of, of a church here, um, and he runs a soup kitchen. They feed the community three times a week. And, you know, I want, I want to say this, the soup kitchen has never missed a day during this whole COVID-19 pandemic. We have made sure that three days a week, 
the community was being reached that we were reaching out to the community and, and we were here for them at a very minimum the three days a week the soup kitchen was open on saturdays on mondays and on wednesdays and so people could at the very least three days a week come in and get a hot meal and, and also grab groceries if they needed them and god has blessed my dad and blessed the church because of that ministry because of of being obedient there it's it's nothing that that he does or the people at the church does yes it takes volunteers to make it run yes it takes leadership to make it run yes it takes you know hard work and and i'm not discrediting any of that at all but one of the things that sometimes i get frustrated with is because there's so many people that come into the soup kitchen like there's well over a hundred people every time those doors are open to get fed to get groceries and you know not all of those people, a large percentage of those people never step foot in the actual church, never get involved in the actual church. And I've had conversations with my dad sometimes. I was like, man, like, are we missing it here? What's going on? Like, you know, it's, it's frustrating. And, and he kind of looked at me and he, he like, you know, sometimes, you know, it's easy to feel like that. But how I look at it is, you know, hey, if you feed the least of these, if you give one of the, the least of these, the cup of water, if you give them a jacket, if you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me, you know. Jesus talking. And um, he says, you know, so I do it because it's what I believe God has called us as a church to do is to reach the community. And he reaches them with love. There's, there's no judgment with people when they come in, however they look, smell, sound, um, you know, whether they were smoking before they came in or whatever the case may be. There's no, you know, fit the mold. It's people that are in need and a church meeting the need. There's no transaction. There's no, you have to, you know, yeah, we, we keep a list of like a first name and number of meals and stuff like that because uh, it's what the state requires as far as with some of the grants that they get a, get applied for but other than that there's there's no transaction that takes place there's no you have to come to church there's no here's 18 bible tracks there's no you have to pray with this person and we're available you know if people want to talk or pray or whatever we've made ourselves available but none of that is necessary in order for the church to be the church and meet the need. And oftentimes ministries, they use what they call outreach and they really just use it as a gimmick, as a marketing ploy to build the church. Now, are people still getting help? Yeah, and, and God bless them and I'm glad that people are still getting help. And I pray that as as time goes on, especially with this pandemic, especially with churches starting to be allowed to increase capacity and hopefully very soon become you know at full capacity and and i don't I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't if people don't want to be there, they don't want to be there. They can watch virtually or they you know that type of thing, but you know a lot there's a lot of benefits of of gathering together. And, um, you know, not forsaking the gathering of, of yourselves together and, and that congregation. And there's, there's something to be said about that. And so I, I think that's a good thing. And I, I don't necessarily think that churches should be closed if liquor stores can be open and this can be open and that can be open. Why close the church? You know, so, you know, I understand that. But if people choose and they feel that it's in their best interest because of their health issues or concerns or whatever the case may be to stay at home, watch it virtually or, or go to small groups, whatever, you know, well, then fantastic god bless them you're still planting a seed you know are you are you upset because you don't have a bunch of butts in the seat or are you thankful that you have an opportunity to allow christ to grow in someone's heart and in someone's life that's the gospel that's that good news and so you know it's my prayer that you know myself that i get better at it and that i i can stay focused and i don't want my life because my life at times has been an enemy of the church even while i was in ministry the my mindset the way i operated the way that i thought the things that i did sometimes were an enemy of the gospel and i don't want to be that and i pray that every day that i can get better and that i can become more like christ not just for my own personal maturity and my own personal walk but so that i'm able to truly minister how he was just love people and as you love people and build that relationship with people, they'll allow you to speak into their life and they'll notice things on your life and they'll start asking you active questions. You won't have to force it. Now, that doesn't mean don't stand up for what you believe in. Stand up for what you believe in. You know, stand up for your faith. Stand up for you know, make a stand. There's, there's no reason not to believe and actively operate in the things that you believe. Don't compromise. I'm not telling you to compromise. I'm telling you that while you don't compromise, you can still love your brother and sister, even though they don't think and believe how you do. So be mindful of that. 
you know, I pray that, that as we grow and, you know, as, as time progresses, that the church isn't an enemy of the gospel, but we're a facilitator of the gospel and we're a facilitator of reaching lives and touching lives and helping people change and grow and mature and, and walk out that salvation and grow in their faith and really disciple individuals. We can all do better. All of us can. And, and I really hope that, uh, you know, I hope tonight, you know, believe it or not, I know it sounded like I was, but not trying to be judgmental, not trying to be nasty, just trying to point out things that are taking place. And no, they're not taking place everywhere with every pastor, with every Christian, with every church, but it is common in a lot of places across the board. So I want to encourage you to evaluate, think about it. Hopefully, you know, I, I sparked some type of thought. Uh, with this conversation tonight, um, tomorrow night on House Call, we're going to be talking about very uh, something quite similar uh, with uh, Stephen Quarns. Probably get more into the transactional, the you know progression um, that the church has gone through over the years. Uh, so catch that tomorrow night at seven thirty, um, Facebook Live. We'll be there at House Call again. Um, check out those various businesses uh, as well. Show them support. If all you do is 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 share it. You know, like the status, share the status, share the businesses, give them a shout out, you know, something like that. Somebody that might see it, you know, you could end up supporting them in a way you didn't even know. And it might be massive. You know, it's awesome to have people that speak your name in rooms full of opportunity when you're not there. And so maybe you can be that for one of those people. Also, um, if you guys, uh, different pastors, churches out there, if you have something going on, some type of outreach, some type of activity for the community or event at your church, feel free to, you know, shoot it over to us so we can put it up on the page and share it with everybody. Um, none of this is, is oh, you got a sponsor. It's a commercial. None of that. No, it's all free. I just want to support people. Um, and speaking of support, we have on August 29th, there is uh, a book bag giveaway with at uh, Epic Church uh, in Olean, New York with Pastor Chuck in Paris, Maine. Uh, so you can contact them uh, for those details. There is also Friday night here in Olean at Lincoln Park. There is a, uh, I believe they're calling it like a unity service uh, as well. Um, I believe that's at six. I believe it's at six. Um, so if you're in the area and can can attend, uh, more than you know, more than happy to see y'all out there. Uh, September six, Operation uh, Feet Heat is a shoe giveaway uh, being um, headed up and spearheaded and run by uh, Church Without Walls with Pastor Tyrone Hall, and uh, then of course Harvest Field Ministry three times a week, um, Saturdays, Mondays, and Wednesdays, uh, the soup kitchen. And also, you know, whatever's available food-wise, if you need groceries and we have something available, that's always there for you as well. Um, so again, uh, thank you guys so very much uh, for tuning in. Thank you guys for all the support. Like, literally, I don't just say it. I know I say it a lot, but I, I truly mean it. I'm sincere about it. And um, I, I know what it's like to feel like, hey, man, I'm pushing. I'm on my own. But no, you guys definitely... Uh, definitely uh, help me out. You lift my arms up when they're getting tired. And I, I really appreciate the support. It's very, very encouraging. Um, so again, thank you guys for your time tonight. Hope to catch you uh, next week uh, as well. So until then, I'll pray for you. Y'all pray for me. We'll catch you next time on Reflections with Dr. Gary Harvey. <laughs>